Welcome back to Binging the Force, a Star Wars watch party podcast. I'm Michael, your host this week, and joining me are returning favorites, Kim and Jefferson. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so this week we'll be uh, staying in the timeline and kind of the same kind of time area that we've been in uh, between episode three and episode four. So similar time space that Han Solo takes place in. Uh, but between episodes three and episode four of Star Wars with the Disney Plus series Andor and its first episode, Casa. So uh, our question this week <laughs> for both for both of you guys to kind of have some opinions on, um, because it's going to come up, I think, a lot in this show. It came up in asking people who wanted to take part in this in this episode this week. Mm-hmm. And people were like started talking about what is Star Wars? And it, and it is something that definitely gets talked about a lot because there are people say, well, that's not Star Wars. I mean, what is Star Wars? You want to go first, Kim, or shall I? You go. Okay. Sky, I've been, I was thinking about this today. I had a, I was going to bring this up if, if we didn't have a question about it. So to me, first and foremost, to me, Star Wars is a setting that transcends any particular story or character. It's always been, the strong suit in Star Wars has always been the setting and how naturalistic it is. I hesitate to use the word realistic with uh, a story about space wizards, but it's very naturalistic. Stuff is dirty. People worry about money. It's it's um, it's a really well-developed setting in which you should be able to tell any number of different kinds of stories. Um, with that in mind, I feel like there are the thing that made the original movies brilliant was that George Lucas took three things and combined them. He took Westerns, samurai movies, and World War II movies and mushed them all together um, and made this great thing. And so I think mo- the vast majority of Star Wars stories are that they're either Jedi stories, scoundrel stories, or war stories, stories about either the Clone War or the Rebellion. Um, and so, and Andor is firmly in that third group. Andor is, is absolutely a World War II story set in space. It, it leans in more towards the sort also of... Scoundrel. It's also a scoundrel story. <laughs> a bit, yeah, I mean, it starts out kind of as both. And that's the thing about, I mean, it, Star Wars is you can take stuff from column A and stuff from column B. And that's what makes, one of the things that makes it so great and makes the story so interesting. And the, the Clone Wars did that a lot too. They did stories about the war and they did stories where they had to interact with the sort of criminal underbelly. And of course, most of the stories feature Jedi, but they did, they didn't always do stories that were about Jedi in particular. And Andor, I think it very much is a World War II spy story. It very much is about the French resistance resisting the Nazis and and building up to uh, to resist the oppressive government. And so I don't think you can say that it's not Star Wars because it absolutely is. And I think the reason that it, it seems to resonate more with older Star Wars fans is that it is a bit more grim. I, I don't want to say it's more adult, but it's it's a little the tone is a little bit more um, grown up and, and maybe sophisticated compared to some other uh, Star Wars material that tends to be more kind of goofy and fun loving. And I think there's room for all of that in the in the wider world of Star Wars. I think yep. you hit on a couple of good points like space. It has to be space mm-hmm. and um, grunge. I mean, it's like uh, they've been in war for so long. I don't care what planet because you have Darth Vader just going around crapping on everything. So 
yeah, I, this is Star Wars. This is the Star Wars I want, I've been wanting to see for a long time. Um, I love the rebels and I love how did they tropple this big empire? Like, how do you do that? And of course there's politics in there and all that. So it's just, this is Star Wars. I don't, I don't know why people say it's not very Star Warsy to them. Yeah. I mean, to me, it didn't even have to have space. I mean, to me, you know, what is Star Wars? Star Wars is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It, 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 it is a, it is a place. It is a time. It is a, like you said, a setting, but it's not a specific setting. It, it, it's a universe. It's, it's a, it's a world that has now been built out and that world is going to have as any world would, lots of different stories in it, you know? <laughs> and you exactly. should be able to, within the framework of that, as long as it still fits into the universe, and that's where you can kind of say, like, what fits in the universe, what, fits, what doesn't fit in the universe. But really, to me, like, you know, as long as you have some elements of the aesthetic, as long as you have some elements of, like, good forces and evil forces and, you know, rebels and empires and, and you know, the, the forces of the underdog against the overlord, you know, that's, that's star Wars. That's, that's the setting that we're living in. But I think we're even going to probably transcend that because I know that they have in the work series that take place 10,000 years previously, where it's going to be a whole different dynamic, you know, but I think there's still going to be some essential elements that are always going to be there in that it, it, it all takes place in, you know, a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And now as of Ahsoka, two galaxies far, far away. <laughs> But yeah, that's to me, Star Wars should be a big umbrella. It, it really should be just, you know, an overall thing that that story is going to be. Because that's the thing. Like, what's a Marvel story? What's a DC story? You know, what, what, what what's a uh, Steven Spielberg movie? You know? Yeah, I think people try to get so macro. They only get yeah. to one little character and they try to, like, over-explain this one character. Yeah. And then that guy comes up and smoke. And then, but you have a whole, you have two galaxies to explore and why not, yeah. go, you know, why not have Andor? Why not have the underbelly of how the rebellion, yeah. you know, succeeded? I mean, just, just like any good filmmaker, any good filmmaker or any good actor, I mean, any good creative person will tell you they never want to do the same thing over and over and over again. They always want to try to flex their creative muscle and, and do different things. And I would say Star Wars as a franchise is like a living thing. It is, it, it, it is, you know, it is made up of many creative people, but, but it's many creative people endeavoring to continue to build this organism that is star Wars. And so star Wars is going to want to be different things. you know. Right. Especially now that they're, they're generating so much new material. Yeah. Where, you know, back at the beginning, we got two hours every three years and that was all we got. And so it, if it was still coming out at that rate, I could see maybe people being upset about, well, that was our two hours for this three-year period, and I didn't like it. Wham. But we're getting, I don't know how many hours every year now. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't like what's going on with Star Wars, just, you know, wait six months. There'll, and be, there'll be another one. Yeah, there'll yeah. be one that you like better. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, we, we, we talked previously that, like, my particular thing in Star Wars, the thing that I'm most passionate about in Star Wars, the thing that gets me the most excited about Star Wars is Jedi in their prime action. So, mm -hmm. so Ahsoka, for me, was a pinnacle but that's the thing is like this series and or i thought was one of the best things on television i saw last year you know because it's just it's really well made drama 
you know, and it's just really well-made drama within the Star Wars umbrella, within the Star Wars envelope. So, I mean, it doesn't have to be the thing in Star Wars that specifically appeals to me or gets my juices flowing for me to still think it's great storytelling and great Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and uh, jump into our episode, uh, episode one of Star Wars and or Casa. Mm -hmm. See, it's Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) There's it right there. It's right on the screen. Yeah. (laughs) I don't see where the debate is. There's no room for any argument here. Now, of course, the Star Wars logo came in and out really, really quickly. This Andor mm-hmm. logo takes about a week and a half. Right. <laughs> forever <to> <laughs> like, like, okay, we see something's coming here. It might say something by the time we start a new episode next week. Mm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I like it, though. I like it because it kind of replaces the title crawl. And yeah. if memory yeah. serves. Yeah. We do not correct have a title me, crawl. Yeah. yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but of the feature films, Rogue One is the only one that doesn't have a some kind of title crawl. Is that mm. correct? I don't remember. Yeah, I think I think it is because oh, all yeah. the I can't remember. The, Solo had one. It did. It didn't. It didn't do a crawl the same way, but it had a little explanation of of all the the gangs and stuff. Gotcha. The gangs. All right. So we see someone walking. Yeah. <laughs> So when I was um, watching, I rewatched this last night, and um, I was thinking, especially as we get a little farther on here, it's it's a bit Blade Runner this uh, opening. Definitely. Yeah, definitely aesthetic wise, there's a lot of very, very. So what is BBY five? It means before the Battle of Yavin. The, okay. the Battle of Yavin is the the zero point for all the Star Wars timeline information. So I missed it. What did it say? Was well, were five B five years. No, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we're in the same time frame, you know, same, yeah, same time frame as Solo, basically. Solo's meant to be ten years before, so we're we're about five years after Solo. But oh, is it okay? Because I know yeah. uh, uh, Obi Wan was ten years exactly. Yeah, right? yeah. I think Solo and Obi Wan take place at about the same time. Okay. And this is a little later, but uh, this series is uh, Rogue One is clearly just a, a, a week before the battle. Yeah, of the yeah. So, Rogue so One is like five minutes. BB. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so five, five minutes that... the movie that has has Battle of Yavin. But I guess yeah, if you go through the whole movie of Episode Four, it's what uh, probably a couple of days. So yeah, yeah. So about a week. BBY for. So for you're a, you're a you're not a video gamer, Je- Jefferson. No, or, not really. Okay, Jeff plays a game, Mass Effects. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard of it. And this reminds me a lot of that. They have like the strip clubs with, you know, holograms and stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. I mean, they're giving us a more kind of seamy and and adult um, corner of the Star Wars universe. But I like that they're not that overt about it. No. You know, like. It's still Disney, but. Yeah, kids who watched episode one could still watch this. I mean, they yeah. might, some of it might be a little over their heads, but there's nothing here that you would, you wouldn't want to subject a, a, a younger viewer to, which I think is good. I think it's important that they keep star Wars accessible to everybody. But Andor is a more mature show. It ha- definitely has yeah. more mature subject matter, more mature themes than, than, you know, a lot of other star Wars, but, but not, not, it doesn't go too far is the point I'm making. Correct. It's still, it's still, anybody could watch it without, well, it's on a thematic level to where, you know, if you cat, if you're an adult and you're catching it, you're catching it. If you're a kid, right. you're not. Right. Exactly. 
like this whole nothing. setup or him talking sure. to you know the madam and whatever right <laughs> like kids won't know but right exactly we, we we know he wants something you know what, what are you looking for he came in here looking for something and it's, and it's not a date yeah. right yeah he, he looks way too intense girl. to be to be there looking for for fun <laughs> yeah yeah he is looking for a girl though uh -huh. <laughs> one thing that i remember noticing the first time um i watched this through when it was originally uh i don't want to i guess broadcast isn't the right word but Whatever it was, was the correct either. Yeah, streamed. And this is owing to the the tone, the tone of this, and how different the tone of this is from everything that we've seen previous to this, as far as the TV Star Wars goes. There are very few aliens in this. True. Yeah. And and no main characters are aliens. They're all any aliens that we see, and there are not very many. Are are background players. I, 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 if, um, we'll see if I'm right, but if I remember correctly, only, there's only one alien that has any lines at all in this first episode, and he's he has like two lines, and it's for the comedy bartender. Reason. She can't. Yeah, I mean, the bartender was alien-ish, but still not as. I mean, Star Wars aliens tend to be a lot more masky, and less, yeah. less makeupy than than uh, than other things do. You know, in Star Wars, you're either human or you're not. You know, there's not that many aliens that are just have a, a lumpy forehead or a weird skin color. Yeah, well, and we know that um, that it all takes place now in a in an occupied you know empire, and we know right. that the emperor very famously did not like aliens. <laughs> yeah, it's anti-alien. Yeah. Um, which was a clever way to explain why the earlier movies don't have nearly as many aliens in the right. later movies. <laughs> um, also, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the first and so far only live-action Star Wars TV that doesn't have Dave Filoni or John Favreau's name on it anywhere. True. Yeah, I, I was going to mention the the writer, the showrunner on this was Tony, Tony Gilroy, who mm -hmm. who also wrote Rogue One. But right. he is definitely not a sci fi filmmaker. He he is right. definitely not someone in this world. I mean, they brought in someone specifically. He directed the Born Identity movies, or he wrote the Born Identity movies, right. or the whole Born series. Uh, Michael Clayton, you know, uh, uh, let's see, you know, th things that you would not associate with, you know, someone who would be a Star Wars filmmaker. <laughs> right. So he has a very different axe to grind than than Filoni and Favreau do. Yeah, and it shows. He, it definitely he's shows. he's coming to it from a whole different perspective. It's like, and again, this is creative people getting to play in this universe, you know, right. that are not doing it in a way that, yeah, Filoni, you know, it definitely had, you know, Filoni and Favreau definitely have a whole different take on what to do in the Star Wars universe. Well, they have an agenda too. They, they're, they're doing a timeline and, you know, yeah. these ones are just writing the story. A really good well, I mean, but they're also doing stuff that specifically is like tied to other things in Star Wars, tied to other themes, tied to other ideas, you know, having Jedi, having Mandalorians, you know, this this is this is a spy story. This is this is yep. just, you know, a guy, you know, a, a resistance story like like, you know, Jeff Anderson was saying this, you know, this is a new Star Wars. <laughs> so this is Star Wars. Right. And so PG usually and everything. Do you mm -hmm. think what's going to go down is going to go down like when you're originally first watching this? I I have to admit that it. It surprised me a little. The the, the grimness wow. of it surprised me a little bit when I first watched it. But as I said earlier, I, I feel like it it 
it stops short of being objectionable. You know, it, 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 it's grim. Yes, but it never goes too far. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I was just like, Holy God. What we're about to see here um, with him fighting with these two guys and, and how he chooses to resolve this situation is pretty grim, but two things first, He's we already established in Rogue One that that Andor is a very ruthless character. Yeah. And two, um, the horrible thing that he's about to do, we cut away from. We don't see it in graphic detail. No, um, but I think he this guy accidentally died and now he's like, uh crap. Yeah, he, he, he didn't create he didn't create the situation. The, the the situation was accidental, then he does what he has to do in the situation yeah. to, to get out of the situation. But we're also dealing with, you know, as we said, it, it is a world of scoundrels and and Han shot first. Right. <laughs> Although in this case, I think we're we're establishing how ruthless Cassian is compared to the other characters. Luke Skywalker would have let this guy go. Han Solo probably would have let this guy go. Yeah. Um, but Cassian's not going to let this guy go. I'd also argue that they have advantages that he doesn't have. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, Luke Skywalker, yeah. you know, has a status in this universe. You know, mm -hmm. Han Solo even, you know, has a status in this universe. Andor's under the under under the building of this universe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's a lot more um, desperate. Yeah, exactly. He does not have a lot of choices in life. Yeah. You know, he has no connections. He has no ties. He has no someone who's going to get him out of this, you know, if he gets arrested, you know. Well, even Maybe the madam made it sound like, uh, sorry to hear that you're from Torini or whatever, you know, right. like, sorry for you. That yeah. must suck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, in terms it's, of social strata here, like I said, he he's he's under the totem pole. I mean, you know, right. no, no one's going to bail him out. I mean, he is a man of his me, a man of his wits. Everything he has and everything he gets and everything he does is by his own choosing, is by his own effort. You know, no one is helping him out. Right. I himself. And he has a, a, I don't know about more lofty goals, but he he clearly has a more intense mission than, like, say Han Solo does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love this droid. This guy's yeah. great. Yeah. He's uh, he's the. I mean, the droids are usually the comic relief in, in Star Wars, and, and he manages to be that without being a clown, you know, without being silly. Yeah. Because that would be, that would undermine the tone of the of the, the set, this show too much if he was too goofy. Yeah. But we get some nice sort of grim comedy relief here with the, the <laughs> dog, pig dogs, whatever they yeah. are. <laughs> We got the little uh, thing that R2 used one at one point to kind of shock shock a, a creature away from him. Yep, their little defense mechanism they have there. <laughs> is there a is there a remote control toy of this droid? I think I need one if there I'm is. The wrong, I'm the wrong person to ask that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, and I don't. And, and the fact that I'm asking, I don't keep up too closely with with merchandise. You're on the lookout for all the stuff that's not made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it basically yeah. a planet or or just a junkyard that that the ship happens to sit in? Um, I think it's a junkyard because he borrowed. We find out a little later he borrowed the ship. Okay, from the guy who runs the junk, or not even the guy who runs the junkyard, but like the assistant guy who runs the junkyard. So now we get the flashback uh, that kind of establishes who it is he's looking for and why. You know, yeah, and I like that they don't—they don't spoon feed us this. They don't really yeah. explain what this is, but we can kind of infer that it's sort of a, 
a Lord of the Flies kind of situation where it's a bunch of uh, castaways who are all children. Now the movies never do flashbacks. They're 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 no, they're very linear. There's ever such a thing really as a flashback in in the feature films. I don't no. think we really ever got a flashback in Star Wars potentially until Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The movies had a very specific. I mean, unless you want to call episodes one, two, and three one gigantic flashback, no. <laughs> <laughs> but they're really not. Um, no, yeah, you're right. From a stylistic, from a directorial and editorial yeah. and writing choice, we've never like just cut away to a flashback. You know that that mm -hmm. is not even like, you know, we're not even specifically like looking at a screen or anything like that. You know, we're just we're just we we are seeing in our mind's eye, you know, something that happened to this character previously. Right. That's that's that's. I, I'm, I'm now making an argument against it, but I'm not trying to, you know, that, that, that that's new for star Wars, you know? Yeah. A bit. I mean, I, I I think Mandalorian was the first time they really did it. I'm reminded actually, there are a few very short flashback scenes in the sequel films. Okay. Where, uh, Ray remembers being a child. And then especially yeah. in the last Jedi. Yeah. When we see Luke's, version of events of what happened at the right yep, yep later yep. we right. see kylo's version of, of the same so event the, the sequel trilogy established flashbacks mm -hmm. okay but yeah so we see that his name originally was not cassian it was casa which is the title of the episode so that was originally his name and he had a sister and that's who he was trying to find in the bar and it's a great use of the flashback because now we're more intrigued. You know, how did right. he get from what we just saw to here? Yeah, he's got a backstory. Mm -hmm. You know, how did he go from uh, Mad Can Max Beyond Thunderdome to this? <laughs> well, it seemed like it was actually pretty idyllic. He, he had this like kind of idyllic, like you know, Lord of the Flies, but done well, where the kids are all taking care of each other and watching out for each other and kind of working together as a unit and everything. Right. But at the same time, there's that one shot we we kind of talked past it where when the ship flies over the, the camp that all the kids are living in, one of them is jumping up and down and waving. So clearly they're, you know, that to me tells me that they are castaways and they're true, waiting true, for but I think, but they were, but, but, but prior to that intervention, they were living a fairly peaceful life together. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not eating each other or anything right. like that, mm -hmm. certainly. I like the um, the setting. I like the the town and the design yeah, the of town, it. The town's almost a whole other character in this show. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And this proves my point that I was making earlier about how the Star Wars is the setting as much as it is anything else. Yeah. And this is just um, this really this the, the town and even like the, the cinematography and the kind of overcast lighting really sets the tone it, it can, sets the tone that maybe these people aren't aren't all that happy no they as a costume at... maker all i could think of is why does everyone have to be wearing a hat <laughs> are hats Do a problem you... in the costume world yeah the hats are not fun to make and then no. like you know if you got to charge a hundred dollars for it or whatever people are like why so much for a hat mm -hmm. well you make it right <laughs> Yeah. You make one if and tell you me how you made that hat. You would have made that hat. Yeah. <laughs> Don't bitch at me. So work working in kind of a factory or mines or you know kind of a menial yeah, like or a some, kind of, some kind. Yeah, and then like kind of blue collar drudgery. Who's working by what gloves are still hanging or something? <laughs> and I Scott think friend. we infer yeah. from from this that 
that Cassian works there too, but he doesn't show up for work very much. Right. Because <laughs> he's got more important things to do. So he's like telling him a story like, I, you need to say this if people ask. Right. Here's, here's the, let's get our story straight. And he's like, are you serious? You want me to say that? <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see because I can't remember from the first time watching, but it'll be interesting to see was the event that we saw earlier with the two guys who hassled him, was that the first time he had to do something that ruthless? You know, was that what set him on this this path or was there stuff before that 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 made him this kind of intense and desperate? Well, I would say I would say to be the man that he did in that situation, he would have had to have had other stuff to have made him that man. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would think I would think so, too. So I I look forward to, to if that's so to seeing that, because I feel like this series while it does cover some interesting events, I feel like this is a character piece. This is really about oh, two characters. It's a this episode is just about Cassian. He's and it's a, telling us about why he's the way he is and who he is, and and so the story is about him more than it is about any particular event that that takes place. And then when they introduce Mon Mothma later, it's also about her. And so we jump yeah, back and forth between those the guy two who's between. I mean, there's there there are a couple multiple storylines because yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're about my point is they're. I, I would actually call the the other main character of the show the guy we're getting introduced to here. Oh yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of them. He's mm-hmm. um, I guess so. I guess we have maybe four main characters mm-hmm. then, but but um, they all relate to one or the other of either cast. Yeah, well, all the storylines end up tying together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is a nice um, little bit of of quick, easy character introduction. We now yeah, know some typing and tailoring. That's all. Yeah. I just did a yeah. couple of mods to my uniform. Yeah, he's well, uh, estab- establishing who this guy is. That he's that he is like the most OCD of OCD. You know that that sure, that, sure. that he he is very about the rules. He is very about doing everything a specific way. And then we find out what happens to him when that world gets broken for him. <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I actually he's, do he's, end up feeling sorry for him, which a I bit, think. yeah, because he takes his job seriously. He wants to be good at his job. He, but yeah. he's basically he's Rimmer from Red Dwarf. He's he's the guy who just blindly follows the rules. This old guy's like, oh, you're just making more work for me, dude. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> to do it the to do it the proper way to follow the rules to fill out all the paperwork you're just you're just making my life hard because I'm sitting in this chair for the next you know, I've been sitting in this chair for the last 25 years I'll be here for the next 15 till I retire you yeah. Know? yeah and that I mean and, and I'll I'll continue the argument that this is definitely is Star Wars but like this this sort of thing this scene goes back to there's a scene in the original film where all of the Imperial generals are sitting around the conference table. Mm-hmm. waiting for Tarkin and Vader to show up and they're right. they're having a conversation about what's going on and it's very much like this it's very much kind of work a day god this is such a hassle kind of stuff yeah i mean what... in the in the empire you've really got that bifurcation there you've you've got the emperor and darth vader who are sith and people of magic and people making decisions and people running stuff and then you've got everyone under them who are all middle managers yeah, they're all bureaucrats. Exactly. 
I mean, Tarkin, you could say, has a little bit of exceptionalism to it, but really he's just the best at being the bureaucrat, you know? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, he's really, I mean, I feel like the original film set him up to be a more important character than than Vader. Yeah. Vader, because Vader is subservient to him throughout the whole uh, the whole first film. But of course, I mean, put those two characters next to each other. Which one do kids want a toy of? It's pretty clear. <laughs> hey, I was a total Peter Cushing fan as a kid. <laughs> I am um, one of the, the Star Wars miniature games that I play. So the, the legend goes that in the um, the filming of the original movie, Peter Cushing, he, he thought his boots were too uncomfortable. And so most of the time he just wore slippers. Right. Somebody re-sculpted the miniature of Tarkin and has, they have him in his slippers and his nice. Up, it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I totally grew up on Hammer horror films. Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, who who comes into the saga in the prequels. <laughs> yeah, which was very yeah, exciting was for me to have kind of bookended that of like you know having had Peter Cushing in the beginning, then getting Christopher Lee like you know twenty five years later. Yeah, yeah, and that was I know that was very intentional on Lucas's part. That he wanted he wanted really high profile actors in the smaller parts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, apparently he he wanted we shouldn't be talking about this while we're watching Andor but but I'm going to throw it in anyway he originally he wanted Toshiro Mifune to play Obi-Wan Kenobi that was his first choice but but he couldn't get him to do it Toshiro Mifune if you don't know is the star of most of Kurosawa's uh, yeah. samurai movies from the 50s right. and 60s so yeah so I mean now we get to meet all of his friends we've met the guy at the, mm -hmm. at the kind of factory the mines or whatever Who's, who's kind of his buddy and he got him to lie for him and and now he meets kind of his his female buddy <laughs> and and it's all about i mean it, he has relationships but are those relationships or are they people he uses you know right exactly and, and it's not a relationship based on what he can get from them and it, it's not star wars without a grumpy mechanic <laughs> <laughs> and if he's hot mm -hmm. that's cool too hmm. yeah Well, to tell your story, you know, the, either tell the stories that are not what we're watching or tell or talk about what we're watching, but you got to do mm -hmm. one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I was just absorbed for a minute. Yeah, that's what we can't do. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, but it is. It's compelling. It is compelling drama. I mean, they, they, yeah, they, there is there is some electricity between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely something and you wonder. But. You don't see anything <laughs> that goes on, but but that leads into what becomes an important part of the story, even in in what we're going to see shortly with her, the guy she works for, mm -hmm. who we don't know if they're meant to be a, a couple or not. Yeah, but he's gonna he's gonna follow her when she leaves to to go do this little errand for for Andor for Cassian. And I feel like we're we're definitely leaning more on the side if he's using these people. He's yeah. cultivated um, these relationships with people that can do things for him. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's he definitely operates with purpose. Yeah. That's very consistent with the character that we met in Rogue One. He's a very, very ruthless, no nonsense character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, then she, he calls her out. Well, you've been taken off the top, you know, like, mm -hmm. don't blame me. I'm not the only one bad person. Right. It's um, as, as argument winners go, it's, it's low hanging fruit, but, but again, you know, whatever it takes to, to get what he wants or what he thinks he needs. What's unclear at this point is what his 
goal is? What is he trying to accomplish? Right. Well, well, yeah, we know to... that he was in the bar, you know, trying to find out information about a girl. And then we kind of surmise mm -hmm. that the girl was his sister, you know. So something's obviously happened to her. We don't know what. We don't know what his right. full story is. And, mm -hmm. and But in the course of that, now he got in trouble. And so now kind of his purpose is how do I, how do I keep myself from really getting in trouble? You know, right, exactly. what, what things do I have to do? What things do I have to put in place? Who do I have to use? You know, what, what do I have to do to cover my tracks so that I don't, you know, literally spend the rest of my life in a prison. Right. And again, what was he doing before that led him to this point where he already has these relationships with people that can help him with this stuff? Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. No, like yeah. when did he come to this area? and yeah. not the village where he was from right yeah that's what we're gonna see is uh yeah how did he get from that kid that sort of innocent kid in the in the village to to this guy yeah who definitely seems to have a particular set of skills <laughs> yes yes he does he's very a bit i mean but like um like the greatest star wars characters and i think that the reason why all the characters in star wars are so appealing is he's not his particular set of skills are not fully developed. You know, he got himself into this situation in the first place through a, through a screw up. And that I was talking about this last week when we talked about solo, that to me is what's so endearing about most of the characters in star Wars are that they're, they're flawed. They're not perfect characters. They're not yeah. super competent. They're not James Bond. They're not, they're, they're, they, they mess up. They make mistakes. Right. They're not a person who walks into a situation and knows exactly how they're going to get yeah. out of that situation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They, they are very rarely that person. Lord of the Flies here. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a, um, a Doctor Who episode in the 80s that had a very similar kind of Lord of the Flies um, kids who had, had their ship had crashed and they had formed this society. And they even wore the same colors as these guys. They wore yellow and orange. <laughs> yeah. I might might have to cry foul a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I want to specify again, this seems way more idyllic than that. They are actually working together. Yeah. They seem pretty happy. They've they've got this yeah. really good existence until there's other intervention, until until yeah. an outside force intervenes. So well, and you get maybe the impression. I mean, I'm I'm reading into this because there's I've not been given any information that that verifies this, but you get the impression that maybe they were all very tiny children when whatever happened happened when they were marooned here and so they think they need to wait for rescue because that's what their parents were doing but not because they actually feel like they need to leave this but that's just right. it's, it's a learned behavior to, to hope for rescue right. and they probably don't even understand what that really means yeah so they're doing the war paint here mm -hmm. and Cassian went to go put it on and they're like, no, you're not allowed. Like, and then the, the head lady was like, yeah, he can go. So they're going to go hunting, I guess. Well, that's the thing. They, they're they going to want to find out what is this thing that has come into their world. You know, is, is it a rescue or is it, or is it an attack? You know? Yeah. This was a great shot here of him standing outside the door, trying to work up the nerve to, yeah. to go inside is a lot of, um, really subtle sort of character building there where they establish well, it. Yeah. That, that preparation thing of building yourself up to go act important, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They really, they, I, I can't remember this character's name. I don't know if we've been told his name yet, but they really did a great job with, with telling us everything we need to know about him in really simple strokes. You know, they don't, 
they don't spell it out for us, but they use these just really simple things like, you know, less than a second of him waiting outside the door. But that speaks volumes about what kind of person he is. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, it's one of the rare times where we've really done, I mean, over the course of this season, where we really get a full in-depth inner life and inner world of a middle manager in the empire, you know, mm -hmm. but what, 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 what is it like to be a cog in this wheel? You know, yeah, like we get just... glimpses of it. We would get, we'd get moments here and there of characters, but never were we followed for an entire season. One character's through line of like, you know, what it's like to be him, you know, in this world. Right. Yeah. Those, those types of characters haven't ever mattered this much before. Right. Mm -hmm. So it looks like he ran into someone else that needs something. <laughs> yeah, well, the, this he owes this guy money. It sounds like so. We, I think we're we're maybe we're meant to infer that Cassian is just kind of a a, a layabout. You know, he's there's a, an alien. Uh oh, he's yeah. got. And this is the one I was talking about too. This is the only one who has any lines, and it's comedy relief. <laughs> he's meant to be the the imposing muscle, but he's the muscle. He's a goof. He doesn't understand why he's really there. He just says, well, this guy told me all I had to do was stand here. Mm -hmm. And, and um, yeah. And, and Cassian kind of says, oh, no, it's fine. It's, it's a great little scene. We're not really getting the meat of the scene with the subtitles. It's not doing it justice, but it's a, it's a fun scene. And yeah, this is, like I said, I think the only alien that actually has any lines in the, in the whole episode. And it's, mm. it's a, a comedy bit basically. Good to see you. I got to move on. <laughs> he got out of that. Even that guy looks confused. <laughs> like, how yeah. did that happen? He, he seems to get what he wants by talking really fast. Our, yeah. Our does, you know, make people dizzy. <laughs> here goes his friend to go do what she needs to do for him. But now suspicious. I don't know if it's suspicious boyfriend suspicious or just boss, suspicious partner, boyfriend. boyfriend. I, I yeah. Boyfriend. He said, you pick like straight, like, some kind of women controlling women or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, yeah. And he's going to follow her. He doesn't trust her. Yeah. It's toxic masculinity one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Even in space. But he's going to um, <clears throat> have a little, little mishap. And, Look at all those hats. Yeah. Yeah. I know. A lot of hats. Oh, I hadn't really considered that before, but I guess that's a good point. Because it's not like you can just go wearing either a hat or or some sort of alien headpiece, you know. So well, yeah, because we need to know, right? Who's the person we're supposed to care about in this moment? Right. The only time it's it's useful to have your main character wearing a hat is if they're going to be doing a lot of stuff where they need a stunt double, or they, or they need to hide. Yeah, yeah a lot Indiana Jones. Um, oh, you know, and I just about got to that point after. Uh, being at Disney World and having to use a little app to translate that imperial alphabet, I can almost read it now. I'm close. Yeah, I'm close to being able to read it without looking it up. There's a lot of people that can read it. Yeah, I'm sure. I had Sith chick on my helmet, and people are like, Sith chick? I'm like, <laughs> what? Sneaky, sneaky. This place apparently sells a lot of um, hoses or conduits. <laughs> or a lot of wire. wire. Yeah. yeah. And up we go. She's going to be climbing up this tower to tap into the radio to try to get a message out. This is what yeah. Cassian, I think, wanted her to do. Mm. She needs to sell that thing. 
Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's still unclear as whether does he just need money to continue his search for his sister? I think that's maybe what we're meant to to piece together. You know, we're yeah, still so not sure why he's so driven to to do all of this. So she's tapping out a message to she's someone. contacting someone. Right. Someone who we'll meet next week. <laughs> oh, this is great. All of these That's new. sort of like low level bureaucrats. They did. We had blue shrimp at the star cruiser last week. Oh, uh, that was sweet. one of the meals that we had. It was pretty much that same color as those noodles. That guy just had. That's crazy. Six Here years ago, bossing around the last census uh, from the empire six years ago. So they don't, don't really have information about who he's, who he's looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So of course he has to find it, right? Yeah, even though his boss told him like leave it alone, you know, some we can move on. It's there's a lot of paperwork, you know. He can't he can't let it go. It's it, it, right. it's a it's an I that must be dotted, it's a T that must be crossed. It's just who he is. He's just well, so I think he's also bumping and trying to get a promotion. Yeah. He wants to be in higher command, he doesn't want to be because well, in his right. existence, that in his existence, that's all there is. And when you're when you're yeah. in middle management, that is that is your whole existence is to get up the next rung on the ladder. Well, right. and then you uh, will get to meet her mother, his mother. Oh my yeah. gosh! Then you'll know why. <laughs> more, uh, yeah. His character is uh, makes a lot more sense once we meet his mother. Right. Yeah. So well, here's the thing: is it's really for for an imperial officer, it's the furthest in depth we get in terms of you know their inner life, their inner world. Yeah. Right. And and he's not really I don't think they're technically imperials. I think they're the the local government that was that works under the empire, but they're basically a corporate entity adjacent yeah. to the empire, like a corporate entity that's attached to the empire or sure. beholden to the empire. Right, exactly. So why, you know, the empire didn't feel the need to go in and replace all those people. They just right. I mean, that's yeah, the new rule book the to work always does whatever's the cheapest thing they can get away with. Which you know, okay, if we don't have to replace everyone with imperial people, you know, we'll we'll just keep using this contractor. Well, and then that's what the rebels end up doing, like keeping all the imperials, and then you mm -hmm. don't think that they're not going to have an agenda and still be on the same other side of the war. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, well, the point, though, that, that was made during the, the scene you're talking about from Ahsoka it is a mostly a valid point that the, the cogs in the machine don't really care who's in charge. Right. The, they the don't care if it's Palpatine or yeah. Mon Mothma. It makes no difference. Yeah. 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 It makes it makes no difference to their day to day lives. They, right. they, it doesn't matter. Yeah. When you're a cog in a machine, you don't care who's pushing the button to turn it on. Right, exactly. I you know, so here's so, why we see this guy. He he cares, obviously. Mm -hmm. So Cassian's um junkyard buddy has now told him that he can't borrow the ship anymore. Yeah. And what this tells us too is that Cassian doesn't have the means, he doesn't own his own ship. He has to yeah. borrow this ship when he wants to go off planet. And yeah, so he's sniffing our... out some ID. <clears throat> Excuse me, some ID chips and stuff. And that guy's like, I don't like what you're doing. You're, this is kind of fishy. So I don't want you borrowing it anymore. Back on indoor romper room. Yeah. That's a reference that no one's going to get under the age of 40. Yeah. <laughs> the Ewoks are people still. They haven't evolved yet. 
And this we well, we don't um, see it um, in this either. episode, but but this sort of parallel story of, of of him as a child, we get to see some nice um shorthand as well. The 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 fact that the story is set in an established fictional universe, there's a lot of great shorthand that they get to use to tell us things like how long ago it is, you know, we, they can use, like I was talking about in solo last week, they can use stormtroopers or a, or a shorthand. We already know what stormtroopers are. They don't have to explain it. And we're going to see some of that next week that we'll talk about next week. Once they find the crash ship where they get to use some more of that, that shorthand, uh, so that star Wars universe shorthand to sort of that establishes what, what the time period is and, and who these people are, who, whose ship this is and all of that kind of thing. So it's kind of an abrupt interesting ending that it ended in the flashback and it ended in the flashback with him leaving with everyone else, you know, and leaving mm -hmm. his sister, but you know, he, he leaves the sister to somber music, you know? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So, so I don't think, I don't think it's going to go well for them, but we'll find out <laughs> next week. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, then the, the tone of this, as we've said, is, is quite a bit grimmer than what we're used to. And we also, we know that this is essentially Rogue One, the series. Yeah. And then that film also had a, a pretty grim tone overall compared right. to the other Star Wars film. Not, and that's not a criticism. That's a, an observation that it has. It just has a different tone to it's it. It's a choice. I mean, it's it's an artistic choice that it's, it's, a, it's a downbeat story. Yeah. And I think there's room for that. Um, yeah, and and there are over the course of the episodes, we'll see there are some up, uplifting moments, but you know it, it is for the most part a a downbeat story. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what what it does well, and what Rogue One did well was was choosing those moments of of comic relief, and and not letting them take you out of the tone. You know, they they because you have to have something. It, it can't be just well, this. Thing. I mean, not just, not just comic relief. You know, I don't want to get too far down the weeds to, to to later on. But I mean, we will have triumphant moments. We will have. Yeah, yeah. We'll have we'll have moments of failure. We'll have moments of success. You know. Yeah, you can. But yeah, you can't watch a, a story where you, the hero loses over and over again. That that right. gets that gets depressing. Yes. There, there will be moments of triumph and success. They will be short lived. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah. And it's Star Wars, and it's it's. And this is all. This is both good, a good and bad, an advantage and a disadvantage. It, it's 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 Star Wars, and it's during a period where we know what comes next already. So we can't. He can't have any effect on on events in the immediate future. You know, we know he can't. He can't uh, win in that way because we know what happens after this. Um, yeah. But it, so that's maybe a downside in that we know he can't really have any effect on what's going to happen, but. Um, at the same time, it also gives us this great shorthand and this great sort of setting, and they can tell us a story about this character using that. Agreed. <laughs> any any other uh, thoughts and notes on this episode, uh, Kim? No, I just, I love it. I love the show. Cool. Well, next week we'll be doing uh, episode two, and that would be me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So uh, thank you for joining us here on Binging the Force. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Binging the Force. On uh, any podcast clients, just look for Binging the Force if you want to listen to us in audio. You can buy our merch at bingingtheforce.myspreadshop.com. And most importantly, to help us grow, uh, go ahead and like and subscribe us on YouTube at Binging the Force. 
Well, thank you, Kim. Thank you, Jefferson, our favorites, <laughs> our mainstays. Um, and, and we'll see everyone next week uh, for Binging the Force. Because I didn't say that enough in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>